to discussing documentaries. Thank you very much for downloading. Today we are going to be talking about the short game and who are we? We are Rick Wharton and me Matt Wills and we've been together so long now we are almost a professional couple. Um, The short game... We have become disgustingly (laughs) ingrained in each other's lives. That, that, that is that <laughs> fucking true. So my missus said the other day, that's not something you would say. You're spending too long with Rick. <laughs> uh, uh, well, was it at a petrol station? Someone's just filling up the tank. Going, that should be our transfer, budget. <laughs> so today the we're talking about the short game and it is not about me and my people. It is about children playing golf it was released in the year 2013 it was provided by netflix and it's partially funded by netflix as well as justin timberlake and jessica beale uh, the director was jeff greenbaum and here's the money rick check this out it made thirty nine thousand eight hundred and nineteen dollars now that is terrible for a i mean it's not terrible i'm being a bit harsh but from a documentary point of view, that is incredibly, incredibly low. But it's a Netflix-made documentary. Yeah, so you don't know how many people it's gone out to. Like. So it's amazing who had paid for it when you could have got it for the £10 a month. Then. Like those, that 39000 is a miracle, really. Yeah, but you don't know if it's, if it's reached 40 million people, that's a success, right? Mm. Anyway, and the fact that it made $39,000... One of the kids who's in this documentary probably earned more from that during the documentary and sponsorship. It's got four accolades, which is not bad, right? And that's four wins as well. And it's about seven and eight-year-old children. These guys don't talk about losing. (laughs) These guys, if they got nominated, they're not even accepting that that was a loss. This is incredible. So the blurb on this, it's about seven and eight-year-old children who enter the 2012 U.S. Kids Golf World Championships. And like all child-related documentaries on our podcast, this one needs a warning. And this documentary is schmaltzy. That's the word I've got for this one. Now, we have episodes that are less schmaltzy. And I recommend maybe if you don't want to hear schmaltz from me, and if you don't want to hear get uh, Rick get incredibly angry, Go listen to one of them, because this was chosen by... Stop lashing out at the 11 people who listened to us, will you? This was clearly chosen by me, because I've just... I've, I've had too much of the miserable, and the computers are taking over, and Skynet's coming. So, um, yeah, go check out one of them. If not, stick with us for the next hour. We are going to talk about some of the most amazing children and some of the scariest parents you have ever seen. Rick, as always, my man, lead us in, baby. All right. So uh, I was up for this one. I was looking forward to it. But there is another one that runs. Really? Because the, there's the one that runs parallel to it. Right. And, and the one that runs parallel is called Trophy Kids. And that one was hilarious. This one, that one would have would have really upset you, Matt. Um, right. 
and you see, and one of the main stars in it, um, the Tigress, right, Amari, okay. Amari Avery. Amara. Um, yes, Amari Avery, yeah. Uh, the golf prodigy. It's about her and her dad. And let me say, what they show in short game, you see the uh, how the sausage is cooked in Trophy Kids. Oh, wow. I might watch that just for fun. Yeah, well, well so we'll go into it. But um, yeah, I, I've grown up and I used to like, I, I attempted team sports as a kid. I attempted to do that kind of stuff. And really? when you see... Yeah, yeah, I... Um, Failed spectacularly at football. I was no new substitute. To this day, I could not tell you what position they give me, but I was there for fucking two years. <laughs> um, Waldersfell Football Club. Uh, yeah, and it meant the world to us to make the team. When it came to the cuts, it's brutal. And like I remember just to this day, like when it came down to the last three, and I was the last one that made the season oh. registration. And then they had a whole thing where everyone was captain of the team once throughout the season and on the last game of the season they went has anyone not been captain yet and I went oh I haven't Paul and he went anyone (laughs) (laughs) all that pain would later go into your comedy that's why you're so funny because you suffered so much as a child well well, from that I then hit basketball really hard Um, and I was in a town where, where no one played basketball no one in Jesse Street like it was one or two so when it came to like the so I um I got I had a, I was deluded in terms of how good I thought I was because there was very little competition <laughs> my age. Like I I I I'm gonna tell you something that's gonna sound arrogant as fuck, right? So um no one went to basketball training, but the council put it on. So I had like a personal trainer, like these trophy kids did, for like six oh, months. Oh wow! Oh, that's beautiful. Then he hooked me up with like uh, one or two teams that were playing. And then, like, so then it was the Newcastle Eagles Academy. Hang on, when did you say he hooked you up? What did he did he phone them up and go? I've got this kid. He's the best one I'm currently working with. Hang on, Barry. Is he the only one you're currently working with? Wait, yeah, it was it was more like turning to my mother, going, "He should go here." Is the address kind of thing? And then, um, and we since since I had mates in like School of Excellence for football and stuff like that, I thought it was going to be ran like that, like contracts. Yeah, okay. And like, so we turn up on day one at Newcastle, and uh, we brought me birth certificate. And they're like, "What you got that for? Just you know, get out there and shoot the ballroom." <laughs> <laughs> but I was fucking deluded. And uh, since me, um, my brother was in the comprehensive school I went to, and he was five years older, he told the PE teachers that I went to this uh, Newcastle Academy and they obviously thought it must be like the school of excellence treatment the footballers got. So when we came up for the two-day taster session in front of, so that was three primary schools all getting funneled into the same comprehensive school. Yeah. The first thing the PE teacher sit us down and say goes, we understand there's a basketballer. Which one of you is Dan Wharton's little brother? And then they took me out and took me around the basketball courts and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, I was arrogant as fuck for like two months of the year when they had basketball season. That was my entire conference. Oh my word. So you were the Michael Jordan of your school. But here's the thing. I never had athleticism. I had quick hands and I could shoot. But like by the time, since I'd had such a bad experience of football, I was then, it was my turn to be the dick. I'd never concentrate on getting better. <laughs> I, in fact, started to dislike going to the Newcastle and Gateshead uh, Academy 
because they were of my level and better. So I'd prefer to play the school level where they I would just like walk around. Them where you were the big fish. Where um, on the first game, I got um, taken out by the coach for three quarters for shooting free throws with my eyes closed. Um, <laughs> oh, man. My- so I that level of delusion still to this day, like I had to accept I'm not going to be in the NBA when I was like 22. <laughs> That's how long it took. That it is how long it took. Oh. To this day, like I thought, and then I went, I went and played recently after watching the Jordan documentary. I was just like, I don't have it anymore. <laughs> I don't have it anymore. <laughs> You're a cocky son. Hang on, how tall are you? Oh yeah, yeah, five ten. Yeah, I, I was never right, getting okay. anywhere. Right. Yeah, you ain't no Scotty Pippen, my friend. Um, <laughs> I had the raggedy shoes. So, but this documentary is exactly about that sort of child that is pushed a little bit sometimes a lot by their parent to be a great golfer. Now, every year in August, the best golfers in the world descend on Pinehurst, North Carolina. You know what else happens in North Carolina, don't you, Rick? There's a place called Rayleigh or Riley. Rawley. And you know what happens in Rawley, don't you? That's where the flat earthers meet. Is that where they're... That's they're, exactly. They breed, that's where they go. Yeah, the Rawley Conference Centre. Um, so 1,500 golfers from 60 different countries all eight years or under, all get together. And this documentary basically follows eight of them. And I watched this documentary. It's got to be a year and a half, two years ago. And I loved it. I mean, I absolutely loved it. I remember texting my mates going, you got to watch this documentary. This is brilliant. Sadly for me, no one else I know watches documentaries. That's why when you suggested this podcast, I just jumped on it. I was like, oh, my God, I found a person who's got the same interests as me. Brilliant. The documentaries each of us like are so remarkably different. So different. They're a different genre. But the kids in this one, they are so driven. What I didn't like about this documentary was the commentator. So the guy who does effectively the voiceover, his name is Ed Hall and he was the announcer on the Jay Leno Tonight Show for about 10 years. It didn't match the feel of the documentary for me. But apart from that, every single thing that happened in this documentary, I was like, oh, that's brilliant. Oh, that's superb. The, the way it's put together is really fun. So first off, it introduces all these kids going to the Pinehurst World Championship for like, what was it, eight years old and seven-year-old and eight-year-old S- categories. Yes. Yeah. Now, the first kid we meet, I swear to God, it's a young Donald Trump. Is... Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But in a nice way. Yeah, yeah, to an extent, to an right. extent. Yeah. Uh, Alan Kornikova, whose sister is the tennis pro Kornikova. Yeah. Uh, who I think won the Olympics or the Wimbledon or something like that. Yeah, she's quite. I didn't Google her either. No, she's quite. I don't. I don't understand tennis. I don't understand golf. Let's uh, let's just get that out there. But yeah, he's the little brother, and he's seven years old. And you see his, and and again, right? And this is why I brought up the whole playing sports thing, right? So I thought, like, to a, a legit mid-teens that I was going to make something of it. Like, I swear to God. And then you see this seven-year-old getting up at 7 a.m. for strength and conditioning training with his fucking trainer. Every day. Got tyres strapped to him. He's He's got continuously playing in his head. He's got, is it the rock, is it Rocky or the Karate Kid? I can never, you're the best around. Oh, that's Karate Kid. Right, okay. So he's got that playing in his head. And then he turns out and says his dream is to make enough money to open up his own resort, which is going to be made of marble. And I, I swear yeah. to God, if a kid, 
I just see a future dictator in him. That's a politician growing in yeah, him. Yeah, possibly. Don't... Yeah, yeah. And his name's Alan Kornikova. And the note I made about him was, you don't see many Alans, do you? Not enough. Not many people these days name their children Alan. It's funny because I'm not allowed to. Hang on. You've been told if you do have children, you're not allowed to use certain names. Um, well, Alan was vetoed. Hang on. Did you put Alan forward as a suggestion? Well, can you not? Yeah, obviously. I wanted that for a first and second name. Like, Oh, my God. For Alan Shearer, of course. I, want, I, wanted, I wanted Alan to be his middle name and Big to be his first. <laughs> Big Al. Big Al. <laughs> the kid who, uh, when I first started going to West Ham, Tony, who sadly he died uh, very, very young, um, but he used to take his boy there. His boy's name was Rio Ferdinand. Yeah. I like that. No, no, no. Sorry. No, not Rio Ferdinand. Rio Brookin. Oh, George Everbrook and Rio Ferdinand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Such a lovely, yeah. a lovely, lovely kid. I cried when his dad died. That was very, very sad. I, I've tried to implement suggestions of of that kind of mix of two people, two things I like. I'm trying to think what I'd call my kid. I'd, if it was a boy, I'd call him Brett. <laughs> you need that's a man. Christmas, name. I'm I'm getting you a Bret Hart's autobiography just so you change your mind <laughs> away from the. Yeah, it's not easy being everyone's hero and being the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. Yeah, Brett, and if it was a girl, I would call Brett's her Mi- Brett. Mimi, M I M I Mimi. Yeah, right. or Charlotte. But I'm not going to have children, so instead, if I get a dog, I'm going to call him Dave or her Dave. Even if it's a girl dog, she's going to be called Dave. Back to the documentary. To list off the main people in this, so um, you then go to Johannesburg. Yeah. And, and then you meet Nama, and I loved Nama, and I loved Nama's parents as well. They were just so happy to be there and to be oh, doing God, better. Oh, God, yeah. He's cheeky. But, he's adorable. Um, and I was yeah. rooting for him, right, because I was raised by a South African. And I'm like, yeah, come on, South Africa. And they're an incredibly... I would say they're more proud of being South African than Americans are proud of being an American. Yeah. South Africans are really proud. Um, And this kid is funny, man. He ranked 43rd in the world. And by the time he makes it to this tournament, that's risen, right? Yeah, he's, um, again, of the attitude of the people who just go there and enjoy it. And, like, you saw his whole town, like, village turn up. Because you see the shanties and they're in the gardens. It's so funny because they're in the the shanty gardens, but you've got, like, aunties and uncles that are dressed like middle-class English people. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and they're, and they're all like having a barbecue or whatever for him leaving, and all the support and the pride. You you representing us, you representing South Africa, like yeah. And he's in school. They hold him up in school and go, "Hey, good luck, Zama. You know, just do do well, just do well." And then yeah, so out out of them, I I loved. I, I was root. I my my noise was I'm rooting for him. Oh, you couldn't not root for him, right? Um, then we meet Quan Yang. He's from China. Now, and he, right, he was seven, he threw a fit over a DVD when he was two. And his dad said to him, hang on, it's about golfing tips. And the kid said, looking back at the time, I thought it was about, I thought it was cartoons, but I demanded my dad buy it. And then he was also, he was basically, he was made to watch it. And that's got into his brain as two years old. That's it. And he then starts playing golf. That's a similar thing that happened to me with Bowling for Columbine. And we're very lucky that I didn't have the same, <laughs> same motivation. The same on you. <laughs> I was a little bit older. It hadn't seeped into us yet. I still thought I was going to be in the next Space Jam. The, but, the, great, um, the great thing about Quan Yang, 
because if he doesn't make it as a golfer, he can come and be, he could try his hand at comedy because he starts bad talk or wrestling. He starts bad talking on his rival and they left this in the documentary and he starts slagging down his rival, uh, his rival. And he says, yeah, I heard he peed his pants last year. <laughs> well, no, maybe I think he was, he was he seven. Was, was he not talking about like a professional golfer or? No, I thought that was, was his rival. I thought he was oh, back chatting on his rival. Uh, Alex Panio, now Alexa, sorry, Alexa Panio, 132 wins and the number one seven-year-old on the planet. Her dad is the most intense guy in the whole documentary. Well, actually, there's there's two really intense dads and they're both dads of daughters. The dads mm. of daughters were a lot more intense than the dads of sons. It was the mothers of the sons. Yes. Isn't that a weird dynamic, wasn't it? It was so strange. Like Alan Kornikova's mum, just although she was cool, she was a little bit scary. As she's there when he's he's putting and stuff, and she's there making notes, and you know she's going to feed back to him over dinner or just before yeah. he sees his trainer every morning. Yeah, well, that's the thing that makes you think of how what the parents like, because even though they step back on the camera because they're smart enough to know what they look like, mm. do you know what I mean? But you also have to remember this kid has to get like cattle prodded out of bed at six in the morning then strapped to like you know the rocky training gear as he's got to go up and down the street <laughs> and you're like it, it, the important thing to us is is that he enjoys us you know and like but that and but he, he makes us millions of dollars when he turns or she turns 18 but alex pano i really really rooted for but the interesting thing so uh they got divorced the parents yeah and what did her dad say her dad says, I wanted her, so I want her in the divorce. So even that, <laughs> even that competitiveness for that. And did you see where they were from, interestingly enough? I, I made a note, actually, of where some of them were, were from. Florida. She was Florida, Florida. yeah. Now, Does that make reason... her a Floridian? I'm Is not that... sure. Floridian, Floridian, I don't know. Alan Kornikova was from Florida as well. So there's an interesting thing about Florida where Florida has the most positive A, tax breaks and B, divorce laws for rich guys. Oh, wow. That's that's why a lot of people, you'll see like the right wing Hollywood people will move out to Florida eventually. A lot of the wrestlers live in Florida because they, they have all, it's like, it's, it's meant to be like a moral cesspool of America is Florida. Oh, okay. I, cause I know that's where Texas... Hulk Hogan lives. Oh, right. Okay. Because I know Texas has some of the best tax incentives. So a lot of athletes move to Texas. Yeah, that's where Joe Rogan's just moved to. Oh, okay. Well, because their state taxes is superb. Yeah. Uh, Tim Ferriss lives there as well, as do a lot of the CrossFit athletes. Um, and then, but in that Alex Pano, who's like, honestly, the, they show her the determination of her and like, oh God, yeah. you know, this is just how winning's done. Like she's up, she's there in the morning <laughs> and she's there in the f***ing rain. And like, I gotta be honest, there's some stuff going on in my life right now where this might not have been the best documentary to fucking show me. <laughs> like, like just in terms of work ethic and, and all that stuff. What she gave a great yet sad quote: "Every time I hit the ball, a light goes off in my head." So her endorphin release is when she hits a golf ball, and there's something. Now, bear in mind, she's seven years old, right? She's got more drive as a seven-year-old. Than I've ever had, ever, and and I'm reasonably driven, right? Reasonably, but no, she's she's the one. Actually, all of these kids are driven, but you just looking and listening to her, you're like, whatever she applies herself to, she is gonna make it. She reminds me so much of Ronda Rousey. 
If you've ever watched your Emma Mayer, she's like the superstar that broke the mold and has literally like revolutionized women's sports. I know her. Yeah. Have you been on a stag do with her or do you just know <laughs> of her from sports? Like I never know of you. I Why do I know Ronda? I do know her. I know of her. Sorry, rather. I don't actually know her. Judo specialist who went into the UFC and she was undefeated for like 11, 20 matches or something. I think but, I've watched a documentary about her. Yeah, you might have. And, right, uh, okay. Because her mom was a judo Yes, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Olympian. I have. I've seen a documentary about her. Yeah, yeah. So you, you'd hear the stories in Ronda Rousey's documentary how she'd wake up in a triangle choke and she'd have to get out <laughs> of it before breakfast. What was, like, uh, if you looked into a genealogy, Stu Hart somewhere would be in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's exactly that. But the funny thing is, like, um, you have to do... <laughs> You can't just be like that as a parent and for it to work. All right, and I'll give you the examples, right? So to do what Ronda Rousey's mom did, you have to be the judo expert yourself. Because let's just say if I had a kid and I started doing that kind of shit, get them in a Boston Crab before they could have supper, and they've got to beat me and they build that competitiveness. The minute they get the technique to beat me, I'm fucked. (laughs) (laughs) You'll come into your last... Did you get slammed again? Yeah, yeah. That, that three-year-old is killing me. He's a, I'll just, I'll just be like uh, so a three-year-old uh, bully who also thinks it's good at basketball as well. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we've had to renegotiate his, his pocket money again. Yeah, we're gonna have to, gonna have to get rid of the dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, these kit, all of the kids in this are just genuinely incredible. And basically, the whole documentary, you just watch them play a three-day golf tournament. Let's get to the rest of the intros, just because there's a few more of the main characters to meet. So then we're going to Manila in the Philippines. Yeah. The middle of the Philippines. Oh, have I just missed one out and then... No, no. Yeah, yeah. No, you got him, man. And he's and then, he's got the best name going, this kid. Jed. D- no, Jed Die. Jedi or something, isn't it? D- yeah, die. So when he Jedi. put, him to, yeah, yeah, he's a Jedi. Yeah, yeah, which uh, is, is it, brilliant. It, bless him. This kid, he's like heavily, um, what would be the word, on the spectrum, without a doubt. Oh god, yeah, he's autistic. Yeah, he's highly functional autistic. So they got him into sports to try and bring him out of his shell, and he is a monster. He's the prodigy of golf. This kid yes. doesn't want like all he cares about is the golf. Doesn't want to be interviewed. Doesn't want any attention. No. Just loves playing golf. Like yeah, it's yeah. absolutely. Because it, he gets it, yeah, right? He gets the game like no other kid on there. So from a technical standpoint, he, yeah, he, he is amazing. All of the other kids are having some fun and stuff. Not, not this kid. You don't see the fun side of him, do you? Well, there's two that don't. There's two that don't. Uh, we're coming up to that one in a sec. So the next one we see is they go to France. Hang on. Well, actually, sorry, I'm wrong there. Because, hang on, I forgot the note I made about Jed die. He holds up, right? A very one is autistic. And this is because you fall in love with all of the kids on this one. He says, This is my favorite book. It's a book of farts. And then he presses a button and the book makes a farting sound, right? And because I've been so trashed with some of the stuff you've made me watch lately, I genuinely I fell into a fit of giggles. There's nothing as funny as farts. I know that sounds childish, but if you don't find farts funny, you're not embracing your inner child. I, I can just imagine going, oh, it was brilliant. And he went, listen, <laughs> <laughs> even now, 
It's hard. Look, even you, right? It's hard not to laugh at a fart. It really is. Uh, here's the thing. I could just picture myself as the parent going, uh, not now there, Jed. Uh, can... <laughs> yeah, very good. You got your fart book. Yep. Do you want to take it in your room there, son? Get it out the way of the TV. <laughs> his mum's there shaking her head. Oh, I shouldn't have bought him that fart book. But he lit up the minute he had. That was the happiest you saw him with that fart book. And then we got, uh, then they go to France, to Paris. And this is when it becomes like um, Blades of Glory, the way they're introducing the kids. You ever seen this ice skating movie, Blades of Glory? No, that's, is that Will Ferrell? That's Will and, Ferrell, yeah, right. and Napoleon Dynamite. Um, so they go, and it's the French kid, and he looks like the omen. He just looks he like does. the ad- Oh, yeah, he, that's exactly who he looks like. His name is Augustin Valéry. He's aged eight, and he's not, he's not French. He's Parisian, and there is a big difference, so I'm told. Oh, right. Xenophobia, I imagine. <laughs> well, no, it's almost, to, to put it into an English context, you're, you're not from the South, you're a Londoner, because I, I think our views are quite are quite skewed. Oh, so only people from Paris respect that as a term then? <laughs> well, yeah, and they're really, they're quite arrogant, I believe, the Parisians. Well, the, I, I personally the found them lovely, but... Because it's funny because uh, his mother is a nightmare throughout the documentary. On the little bits that you see are sprinkled in because you don't see a lot of August. But um, they were talking about how one of his ancestors was a famous poet. Yeah. And you see him, he's always got a book making notes. He's very artistic. Oh, and, then, and then the mother says he um, is raised surrounded by excellence. <laughs> now... <laughs> I know you're not as you're not as in tune with this as what I am for like uh, directorial choices, right. remember? Like because we had the name tag thing and how they showed that in Chicken People, yes. On that John Caracas going, I am a singer, and then it pans to the fucking name tag of him working in Costco or whatever, going, yeah, yeah, not the way. So every time you see August, right? This is what the document because they want to create villains, I think, for people to root for and against, and he's done nothing wrong at all. Well, he's he, done, well, he has. Hang but, on, hang, he has done something wrong. Because the one thing the director does, every time you see August, there's a fucking violin playing as the soundtrack. <laughs> and it's just it's just trying to make you think of a snooty cunt, you know what I mean? Whereas Mr. Young, youthful Donald Trump with his fucking <laughs> sports massage, three trainers, he wants to have his own marble resort. No, no, he's fine. He's cute. But the fucking French kid... He, that's exactly it. Because he is the epitome around... Uh, he is the epitome of why uh, people around the globe... Do not like the French because he's he comes across. They just paint him as so pompous. This is how pompous this kid is, and this is why I didn't like him. Right? Yeah, when I need to reflect, I, I go to my favourite bridge. He's eight. What do you mean you got a favourite bridge? How c- and the bridge is shit, right? It's nothing like Tower Bridge or the QE2 bridge in Dartford. It's a proper shit bridge. It's just the one with all the padlocks on. Get, come he's- on, kid, wake up. He's the one I think wants to play golf the least. Um, out, out out of those like out of say the eight that are like prepped for the intros in the in the dock, and you follow through. He looks like because he loves his like he goes, uh, and again he does sound pompous, but it's the accents kind of ingrained into us. Uh, there was a great thing they said on the um, wrestler review podcast with John and uh, Hastings Dylan got where they talked about in Canada there is people who when you come to England. You fucking hate English people when they talk a certain accent because of Rocky and Bullwinkle as a kid. They're the bad guys. They're the guys twi- twirling oh, mustaches, right. yeah, tying yeah. women to the train tracks. 
So, like, when we hear, uh, what I do next is uh, it's my mental strength. I, I like to be calm. And then they've got the violin playing, making yes. them look like a... Cu- like, and they paint it, him to be uh, the bad guy. He, he says this, right? <laughs> He's sitting in a cowskin corbossier chair, right? And he says, my weakness is my physique. My strength is my mind. You're right. <laughs> and then look at the blonde kid, that Alan. Do you know what I mean? Like where, where you know that the, they've they his since his parents like have got more creative control and they've cut out everything he talks about foreigners coming over and taking American jobs <laughs> and, and how he doesn't like the Mexican weight and stuff at the golf courses. We're gonna build like, that goddamn wall. I tell you, I swear there was just something about that kid. I wasn't wasn't the biggest fan of, but he did. He handled himself like a politician. He said everything right, but you knew he was trying to say everything right. Do you know what I mean? Was- okay. But listen, that Augustine, you would have had more like for him if he would have followed up the bridge comment with, and here's a fart book. He's not the sort of kid who would ever have a fart book. Oh, no, because he's reading the French Keats. He's yes, reading absolutely. out the poetry out loud. Yeah, he's reading his grandfather's poetry. Oh, come on, kid. You're eight, man. Come on. Or was he seven? He was pompous. He was painted to be pompous. It's so funny the way, like, you're like going, Terry Hobbs, okay, a documentary can make anyone look like anything. And then this fucking eight-year-old are going, right, well, you got to tell you what, read, read, read that ancestor's book of yours in front of the camera. And you're like, what a pompous asshole. And he's playing the violin with his feet off camera. I fucking hate this kid. Do you know what I mean? The difference between your... I just, actually, I've just thought, you're right about the, the name badge thing, which is... Uh, they, they make his mum look stupid because they cut to a bit where he's doing something and then she, for some reason, pulls out the flute and decides to play the flute and cocks it all up. And she's like, well, I haven't practised in ages. Really, love? What would you get the flute out for then? What was the oh, point of that? You know oh, it's what? so they could make you look bad. If it wasn't my addiction to watching documentaries and seeing how people can look like a dick on camera... Like, if someone came around, you know, like, to my work and they were going, doing, like, an office-style documentary about where I worked, you better believe I'm one of the days, oh, is Rick chucking bits of balls of paper into a bin? <laughs> as, he, as he brought a ball in doing his little spider dribble that impressed people in year seven? Like, I, I, I could see that happening, do you know what I mean? It's just, unfortunately, I was raised and nurtured by bullies. So you realise when you... <laughs> When you stick your head above the pulpit, it gets taken <laughs> off. Do you know what I mean? Like and that's why you're a comic. Um, we then meet Sky, uh, Sky Sudbury, and she's another American. Who have we got so far? So we got the Philippines, China, South Africa. Yeah, an American. Yeah. So yeah, the, when then we meet Sky. She's an incredible young lady, right? Um, and she talks about, and she's very slight, isn't she? She's a tiny little girl. There's almost nothing of her. It's like if a strong wind comes along, it's taken her away. Um, and she talks about that. She says, you know, look, at the moment, I haven't got the physique to be a great golfer. So I'm going to have to work hard. You're like, oh, bloody hell, all right then. But her dad says, right, the best thing about Sky is that she's respectful. Hang on, sir. Is that <laughs> is that the best thing? Is That's the number one thing you've got to say about your daughter. Once, once you get into that competitive elite level, right? you will see the shittiest kids and the most aggressive parents. So they're, they're, they're like, okay, so she's not number one, so we can't say she's the best. But one of the things we can point to is, look, 
at least she doesn't fucking laugh in a kid's face when they then they miss a putt. Yeah. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? At least she's turning out to be a relatively nice person because, again, like sports, it's kind of like Lord of the Flies. I mean, brother's kid, he got him into football super early because we didn't play it until we got to school. And by that point, the basics were already past us. It's too late. Yes. Yeah. The yeah. Basics like the Brazilian all... kids who play with the smaller ball when they're, you know, before they can walk, they're playing with that ball, right? So, it, so it if... goes into them. In a few weeks in in doc in discussing documentary time, but in a few days to us, I'm going to get you to watch um, Robo QB. It's the guy right. who developed all the modern techniques for American football uh, training. He trained his child from birth. Right. Okay. And that's a fascinating story with it. And then, like when you so in that whole thing, a bit like the bounce, uh, the book we talked about on the last one. Yeah, Matthew Said. So um, a bit like that. Oh, my brother getting his kid into football. So, so he got he got Henry bless him into like striker tots at such an early age. So he's now just started. He had his debut, and we're all super proud of him. He's there in his strip. I mean, mum, bless her. She's just like as long as he has fun because she saw what it did to me and fucked me up completely the minute <laughs> I was non new sub. Like, believe me, there was like something different about us once I had that level of rejection. Um. But but my brother's I, his philosophy I was bang on because when <laughs> once you get to school, you've got something you're confident in, or you can yeah, hand, yeah. or you can, you can hold your own water. It's not about being the best. It's a it's about just you know not being the last picked. It's about having yeah, yeah. self assurity about it. So I agree with that, and I think team sports. I think the Jordan documentary he says the same. My parents wanted me in organized team sports yeah. as much as possible, and he I does. agree with yeah, that. Yeah. Mind you, I went. I went to the striker touch once when I stayed in Leeds. I took uh, my brother, my brother and his kid went along to it, and um, it's like being in Ladbrokes. You can see these parents of high hopes of their kids. <laughs> Just then, we meet the final child, and this dad sums it up right. So her name is Amari Avery. Now we're going to show this clip in ten years' time because I guarantee she's going to be fucking famous. This kid. <laughs> oh God, yeah. Whatever she turns her hand to. So, Amari Avery. Now, her dad is is pushing that girl hard. Right. Every night before she goes to bed, bed he asks her who's the best golfer in the world, and she has to say her. And he goes, and that gets into you. It becomes ingrained, and you're going to make that a fact. Her trainer says she needs to work on her emotions. She's eight. Here's the thing. It was these two that were in the Trophy Kids documentary. Right. That and makes complete sense because her, basically she is a mini version of her dad. She's just a better golfer. Like I say, you see how the sausage is made because they're literally, the, the scene that got me to watch Trophy Kids was like this golf prodigy slices one ball practicing and the dad storms off going, you act like a little fucking bitch. <laughs> like a seven-year-old yeah. calling her a dumb bitch for missing the golf putt. He's a nice guy, right? He cares. He does care, but... he No, he does care and he loves his daughter. But he says this, how does an average person make a great person? We are C people. How do we make an A person? How did Tiger Woods' dad do it? Because there is no plan B with us as a family. And it's so funny because you can tell he chose golf because his wife's Asian. So he's went, Tiger Woods, black dad, Asian mother, same genetics, that's what we're going for. Yeah. He literally even says it in the documentary, but there's a bunch of dads in history like that. So you've got, it's either Sampras or Agassi. 
had a dad where like they didn't even like tennis, but they had to play in the rain until they're amazing, and he won the most grands. He hates tennis, never liked it once. You've got the uh, the Jacksons. <laughs> That's weird, isn't it? Yeah, you got the Jacksons' dad, who beat the fuck out of them until they got the dance moves right. No one's ever danced like Michael Michael Jackson, and there's a reason because they got the shit kicked out of them yeah. until they got it right at the age of six. And then who else you got? You got uh, Andy Murray's mum is one. Uh, oh, the Williams sisters. Have you ever seen a documentary on the Williams yeah. sisters? Their dad just bought a book on tennis, took them out of school, and went, "You two are going to be tennis players." I kind of buy into that, which is why you need to watch Rule Ball QB. Right, okay. Because so the, rather than talking, because there's a lot that happens in this documentary, and we're still right, in okay. the first five minutes of it. But yeah, but well, then there's not much more, is there? Once you've in, once yeah. you've met the kids, um, you kind of you see the highs, the lows, and don't forget they're children. They are children, and it, it's hard not to like them, and unless one of them is say from France, um, in first, which case the first thing you, know, you can we really see, not like that kid. The first thing we see of Amari is she is doing 100 push-ups and then switches straight to sit-ups. Like she's Clubber Lang training for the fucking... (laughs) It's just seven, do you know what I mean? And She's just going to be a success. She's going to be like the LeBron James, the Michael Jordan elite level of female golf. I have no doubt in that whatsoever. So at this point, who was your money on to win? Well, I wanted Zama to win just because of my South African roots. Yeah, I don't know. That didn't even that didn't even cross my mind because I I had a genuine feeling that uh, Cornikova was going to win. So Alan Cornikova, I thought, oh, that kid's going to win. It was just so, obvious because yeah. he was on first. Because my my thing was, um, I didn't realize it was it wasn't mixed. I thought seven year old girls could play golf with seven year old boys, but apparently they they, they can't. No, that it's a very segregated sport in that respect. Well, well isn't yeah. golf stand for gentlemen only, ladies forbidden, or is that just a mean acronym people have brought up? Oh my word, is that what it stands for? I think that's what it was initially for. It was one of those things where women couldn't go to. I'm not sure. I'm not okay. sure. I know nothing of golf, right? Apart from. On the back of our school was a golf course, and apparently it's quite a good golf course. Now, I'm not from a rich area or anything. I'm from East London. If we bunked off school, which we did a fair chunk of, if we took the back way out of the school so that we couldn't get caught, there was a sort of run that you had to make across a field. If you made that run without being seen, you were then on a side bit of the golf course. You could then run across the golf course, and it would shave off about a 20-minute walk in about a four-minute run. So we would do that quite a lot. Those golfers, they do not like school children running across the golf course. I never understood why until I heard about people getting hit with golf balls and dying. Well, in my school, so you had the the shops, which were down. You'd go cut across the field. There was a big hole in the fence, like the fence was wrecked. Yep. You'd cut down. And you can go at the chip shop instead of the, the dinner hall. And it was right. also like a cut to the other side of Chester. There's Chester West and then there's the other side of Chester. And then, um, so they got sick. I think they were annoyed at losing the money for the dinner hall. Or it was about the shoplifting and these poor news agencies, which was rampant. Like it was... Oh, <laughs> it yeah, us not... too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so one day they just fixed the fence. So the next day, a bunch of Those lads... God. Had... Damn bastards. Now, I don't want you to think I was part of like the hard click or anything like that, but I do know the lads that did it. 
uh, because they were kind of notorious, but they just stole saws from technology and went and took the fence back down the next day. <laughs> They're like Agent X and the gang in The Great Escape. We are not having that, I'm afraid. Like uh, bonfire night, we were going around asking people for wood, and they went, "Oh, we've got this old shed. We just got we just got a new shed. Uh, you can take take the shed down." So they booted down the new shed. Oh, like like the shit like that would be fucking brutal. But um, kids are mean, but not these kids. Not these kids in this documentary. Uh, Alexa Panos's dad, right? He is scary because. Even I was willing for her to make the hit right because I didn't want him to shout at her. He was a scary dad. August's mum is basically... So when she loses it, it's fucking beautiful. So she's not happy. Basically, he misses a he misses a few shots, right? He goes under or over par, whatever the... I don't know nothing about golf. It'll be so over. Oh, okay. he, he goes over par by about four or five which apparently is unacceptable. It's especially unacceptable if you're French because she says to him, how is this possible? <laughs> wake up, wake up. Right, now she's, yeah, he's and he's eight. literally he's Give literally him some crying. coffee if you want him to wake up because that shit will hit him. And he is, yeah, he's crying. He's crying. He's putting his fingers in his ears and going, you're listening to me. And he's like walking along crying. Then there's a weather delay, so they have to stop. It's one of those sports where you can't play with adverse weather. But I think that's only because you may get struck by lightning because you're out there. No, it won't be. If lightning didn't there. exist, I think they'd be all right with you playing. It's because it's a rich sport, okay? That's that's <laughs> why it is. Like Any sport that says, oh, no, it looks like it's going to be raining a bit, we'll go in and have some crumpets. <laughs> <laughs> Any sport that has afternoon tea built in. Any sport you know, you can't, that you can't play in the street is a rich sport. Oh, yeah. If you went through, say, the street and you were holding a golf club, no one would really bat an eyelid. You do that with a baseball bat, people would get quite scared. No, nah, I'd be worried if I saw kids of golf clubs. They're the same thing. No, nah, I'd be worried. I'd be worried. You've <laughs> I've seen kids of golf clubs. I don't trust the look of plenty of fucking times. <laughs> Um, so then it's suspended by weather because then something happens which I hope you picked up on what actually happened here so there's all misinformation of when it starts back yeah. up and Jed the prodigy from Manila is he late is he late to the tee or, or what is it he gets he's late yeah is that, so he's late and he gets a 10 stroke penalty which yeah. means he is out of the running to win the competition at all and it break. he's devastated Like he is devastated the, that breaks him and it's not his fault, mm. but they have oh, to punish no. him. And they'd even said, like, one person says starting an hour and a half, another person says starting in half an hour. Yeah. And, and it's just misinformation because it's so vast trying to keep all these kids in the same place. Yeah, yeah. Just, just uh, that was heartbreaking for him. And he, his mum is so nice. And when she's talking, she goes, oh, this just... Because it broke her heart, right? It absolutely broke her heart. I, I think she might have felt somewhat responsible. For being late. Yeah. And um, so then you hear about Alexa's superstitions. <laughs> so like they're not, they've had a bad first day. So they're not allowed to wear colored <laughs> socks. They're not allowed to sit in the same seats on the. Um, well, no, she goes to get into a, cart. she goes to get into a caddy cart, does it? And her dad goes, get out. She's like, what daddy? Get out. 
She's like, oh, what, what, what? And then he walks over to the woman driving the car and he says, sorry, we're not going to get in this cart with you. We got in this cart with you yesterday and we hit a ball out of bounds. That's right. That's what he says. But the one that cracked me up is he goes, and my grandma, she's always holding a roll of mentos. With- yes. And she's stroking and her wrist. It's, it's so funny because if I can get that instilled in my child, it's like, oh, whenever I play football, my dad just likes to hold a packet of Marlboro Lights in his mouth. <laughs> Um, at this point, I'm two weeks into quitting smoking. I'm like, can I get away with that? I'm still at that fiending stage of when can I fucking smoke again? Alexa says that she has a great day and she says, Daddy, this is great. And he looks at her and he goes, no, stay cool. Oh, okay, all right. He scared me. I'm a 50-year-old man. Right? But Alexa, it's one of those ones where like their their mentalities seem so mature. Like even when they're yeah. talking, like that little Alan seems like a, 28-year-old go-getter out of Harvard yeah. God, ready yeah. to take your job in marketing. Yeah. Like, and like what the two kids is, uh, is Ki Sung, uh, I think one of the Chinese prodigies, and another kid says to, to uh, another one, like, oh, how are you playing today? And he's just like a divorced dad going, oh, I'm just not in the zone yet, you know, I'm not getting <laughs> And it's just like, you're seven? You're meant to be like, have you seen Pokemon? I like blue. Like, Spongebob! <laughs> Because um, Zuma, the South African kid, and Augustine, the French kid, they become friends. And Zuma yeah. keeps referring to Augustine as she. He's yeah, like, oh, well, he's got, looks like he's never a met a man with long, long straight hair before. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's from South Africa. Yeah. And he goes, well, it looks like a girl. But they have so much fun together. And you get, I don't know, as much as... They painted Augustine out to be uh, the villain of the piece. As much as you can make an eight-year-old a villain. Um, when he was making Zuma laugh, uh, it just lifted your soul, man. It was just, when they were dancing yeah. and you were like, hey, yeah. go on. And, and, and they're just happy to have made a friend, yeah. Yeah. Because during the weather break, when they had a break, they're making sandcastles in the pit that five minutes ago, they were <laughs> dropping sea bombs because they had to wedge it out <laughs> of the rough. And they're like, oh, we'll make a sandcastle now. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's such a strange... It's like Bugsy Malone. They're like little mini adults for five minutes. Like I said, they're adorable until they play golf. And then you're yeah. like, fucking hell, they're scary. Kids. Oh, I mean, um, Caddy's a twat. He's had a need a nine iron. <laughs> you got pogs. I like pogs. <laughs> Alexa's dad says she makes all of these sacrifices in her childhood, but that's her decision. Is it, sir? Is it? Um, I've since Googled her. Yeah, it looks like it was. Uh, she's She seems to know exactly what she wants. Um, and he, Amari's dad said, my goal is to raise the best golfer in the world. I think he's done it. I think he wow. honestly has. That's again. That's a goal, if right? You've, if you've got a seven-year-old daughter doing like fucking fifteen hundred press-ups a day, yes, yeah. she's she's going to be the very best. It's going to be like the Williams sisters because the Williams sisters dominate on strength and technique. So there's no competing with them. They like their well, and their mental ability, right? Sport is a it's it's a hugely mental. A, another game. thing because these rich kids that all have the trainers that are paid by their parents and stuff. There's a lot of pressure on them. But they don't have a dad from the hood going, look, you little bitch, you got to get this right, motherfucker. <laughs> you think you think you're going to be okay? You can't go to college, motherfucker. <laughs> like, what I liked about Zuma's dad, because um, it's such a lovely guy. He's, oh, he's got this huge smile on his face. And there's a bit where he turns around in his South African accent and his kid's going for a part and he goes, oh, this is tense, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's just a spectator enjoying it, you know what I mean? 
Hey, it was good, man. It was a great little documentary. It really, it was just great fun. You have a moment, so it starts to come down to the third day, and you got Alan is second, and the kid he's way in front is Sung, I want to say. Yeah, they didn't focus on him, did they? He wasn't they one of just... the focus No, ones, he wasn't no. one of the eight. Yeah, yeah. So he, he led off from the pack, and... Um, he then misses a bunch, and then Alan asks him what what his score is, and he's really messed up that afternoon. Yeah. So Alan starts celebrating, and then his parents are doing that yeah. gritted teeth. Shouldn't have woke up. Or I don't no, that was his trainer. That. Said, "Oh, we don't celebrate." Ah, oh, right, right. You right. know, uh, we 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 don't celebrate the the failure of others. You know, you do that inside. So, no, hang on, Mister Trainer. <laughs> he's he's got two trainers. Oh, at least. He's got at because, least two trainers. Because that's yeah. not the guy that he was jogging with and stuff. And I thought that was his dad. Oh, I think no, I thought that was his caddy. He's got a whole team behind him who he probably no, he no. probably pays, right? I, I think the mother remarried after the first, like uh, after the tennis. <laughs> not the way we're the building daughter. Alan's world for him. Oh well, I think it's all built for him. This little sociopath. Um, <laughs> He's really like, nice, Rick. I can see him being a Harvey Weinstein without a doubt. Without no way. A doubt. I'll, I'll tell you, well, I'll, I'll tell you why. I'm going to give you, at the end of the documentary, just so you know, I'm going to defend this kid. He sets up a charity for dogs. He sets up a tax hall is what he does. <laughs> <laughs> is that what you saw there? Because I went, yeah. I, I know Rick is going to lay into this kid all the way through. And then at the end, it will go, he set up a charity for dogs. And Rick will go, I was wrong about that young man. No, because what you see of footage of the charity, no, you see him walking a dog for three seconds and he looks like he can't even walk a reactive dog. So no, no what he does. <laughs> he says, dogs, they need someone to look after them. I'm going to look after dogs. He's like, um, so, what's his name? Sam Simon from The Simpsons. Who's Sam Simon? He's one of the writers. It's Matt Groening, Sam Simon. I know one of them's called Shearer, Harry Shearer. Yeah, James L. Brooks, Matt Groening. Oh, yeah, James L. And, yeah, and Sam... Yeah, so Simpsons writer Sam Simon, basically, George Carlin said of Sam Simon, TV's great fun to make until Sam Simon gets involved. Because Apparently, he's a real nightmare to work with. And basically, they bought him out, but he has... Um, but one of his stipulations was, you always have to keep showing my name in the credits. And he went and right. set up a sanctuary for animals, proving that... As much as everyone had a go at him, but he produced some of the best ep- Simpsons episodes going. Oh, without a doubt, but I'm saying it's a tax hall. I'm, I'm right. not going off the back of that. <laughs> when you have this little fucking Trump mini-me, and at the end he's getting that sports massage, talking about all the stuff he's going to buy. Nah, fuck that. Like, well, he's um, going to pay his sport masseuse three million quid a week. Yeah, but he also might shoot him for sport when he becomes a teenager, this little Joffrey Baratheon. Like... <laughs> I don't know what a Joffrey Baratheon is, but it sounds You haven't scary. seen Game of Thrones. Um, oh, okay. No, I don't like historical so dramas. The things we're kind of skipping over is Amari is dominating. Amari Avery is dominating until day three. Oh, She's that God. far ahead. She's setting records. Pano is setting records in the seven-year-old category because I wondered how that... Because the way that was story, I didn't realise one was in... I didn't know those two weren't head-to-head as Pano and right, Amari. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So... She's do- Amari's dominating, but on day three, she misses a few shots and her temperament goes. Like, she is kicking off. She's, like, crying as she's teeing off. Oh, mate. Yeah, yeah. And her her dad, basically... So, basically, yeah, she gets a double bogey right. on day three. 
And then he talks sternly at her, right, about the no more attitude. And then he snatches the golf stick from her hand. <laughs> Hang on, sir. Didn't you just say no more attitude? Because that looked like it was pretty, plenty of chewed coming out of you there, man. But and then again, later, he lays into her. A proper lays into her. It is nothing, nothing compared to what he's like in Trophy Kids. Oh, really? Like, Oh, they are yelling at each other, and it's it's tit for tit. She's now given him as much shit back as what he was given her. But it, she I, is in the I in would, this documentary. As she storms off, and she she has a go at him, and he's like, yeah. "I've lost her. I can't get her back." No, we we can't get the pair of you back. You've, but I would you've be both very intrigued it. to see which one came out first. What because well, oh, trophy kids or the yeah okay. because we'll, if trophy, we'll put trophy kids came kids out on the docket. And we'll, it's we'll... too similar uh, oh, because really? everything we everything we spoke about it would be like doing the great hack and uh, social, social dilemma. Social dilemma. Oh, okay. So so there wouldn't be any point. And to be honest, it was nice just to see the competition they're going for rather than just how much they're beasted because it's the same right. subject. <laughs> and uh, out of the two, Robo QB is the one that I want to check. Which okay. About All right. Training kids. So um, the way that they're going, if social, if trophy kids came out first, you guarantee. Everyone took to Twitter and called this guy a prick, like without a shadow of a doubt. And he's they, you just can't talk to your kid like that on camera. No, <laughs> but I had people in my school. There was a lad who was a runner, and he he felt in the big running meet race was Meadowfield for our county of schools, and he didn't win. He came third. His dad drove off without him. <laughs> <laughs> we will not have bronze, not in this house. No way, Jeffrey. Like, not happening. And when we have kids, I'm super worried about our last going to Sunday League football because I've seen some shit happen there. There was like a guy's dad like headbutted <laughs> three referees and like over like very little. And like the referees are like JSLA sixth form college students who like, you know, they're, they're trying to overcompensate for like um, the power they have and the parents giving them shit and like you blow the whistle, you tell the parent to shut up. And then the parent will start walking towards him. And the kid's being cocky, thinking, I'll write a report about this guy, not realizing he's just headbutted the last three referees we've had. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and when he crosses that line, some shit's going to happen. But there was a campaign about that, wasn't there? So there's been a campaign for to stop parents have in Britain, to stop parents having a go at their kids' referees and the people who are officiating oh. the games because they get so angry about it. There's one lad, and to this day, it's messed him up, in my opinion. There's one lad I knew. He um, he was, his dad used to like rig up Newcastle United trying to get him trials every <laughs> X amount of time and all right. all sorts of stuff. Which like, I, if if I'm misspeaking by hyperbole, whatever, but I knew. But he would like transfer from Sunder League teams, like he was a professional footballer. If he didn't like, you know, the position he was played in or the style of football. And like to this day, he left a pub team because he said he wasn't appreciated last year, and everyone just thinks, "What a fucking bellend!" Because he's like thirty-three and going for a kick around with mates is what it's meant to be now. And he hasn't and, uh, fallen that far from the tree, though, is he? And and I remember as a kid, um, he was on an opposing side to the one that I played for. I obviously wasn't playing; I just wore the same shirt as them. There was a penalty shootout in the cup, and the dad stood by the goalpost putting off eleven-year-olds. <laughs> Can you fucking like in front of people, bald as brass, going, you fucking shit, you shit. <laughs> there is no Santa. <laughs> yeah, like just fucking ridiculous behavior. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, Amari's dad is, his behavior is shocking. It's absolutely shocking because 
He's invested so much, right? He says, listen, the stakes are high. Her success on the golf course will pay for her to go to college. I can't afford to send her to college. It's it's brutally sad. It really is. Um, I'll, I'll tell you one thing. She ain't going to college. She's no. turning broad 18 and she's a millionaire by then, in my oh. opinion. Yeah, yeah. Well, how old would she be now? So she'd be uh, she'd be about fourteen or fifteen now. So right. yeah, it was two thousand and twelve. They were doing this. So uh, um, we then the the kid who Alan's up against, right? Just before he starts playing him on the final day, he genuinely says, "This is Alan Kornikova. I've played with him before. That kid is a good player." You're seven. You're seven years old. He's, See, even that, he's I think talking that's... like a 40-year-old bloke, but he says it, it with such humiliate, humility, you can't help but not like the corner I don't think kid. It's, I don't think it's humility. I think that's Billy Mitchell. I think it's Billy Mitchell. I think because oh. he's just like, yeah, he's good. He's a good player. Didn't say he was great. Didn't say he's fucking leading number one of his age group in the planet. He's a good player. If you were in the studio with us now, Rick just did the best Billy Mitchell impression ever. Um, <laughs> and But Alan Kornikova's playing this kid, right? And he needs to, he's a couple behind and he needs to play out of his skin. And then this kid hits the ball. He gets a hole in one. Hole in one, yeah. A seven-year-old with a fucking hole in one. Yeah. It's so impressive. It's It's amazing. It really I've only is. seen that in like Happy Gilmore. Is the only thing I've ever seen that in. I've never seen it in actual golf before. Yeah, that was just. It was absolutely incredible. I mean, you can see why I don't people watch actual golf, but right, no. <laughs> um, so Frenchie, basically, the, the way they did the end was very good, right? They they made it as a nail biting thing of where every kid finished. So uh, Frenchie finishes fortieth. So he he doesn't get invited back. He seems all right with that. No, no, he's not automatically invited back. The um, the tournaments they do through the year contribute to it. Right, okay, so we can, yeah, you can so you win can his qualify. way back. I mean, at the age of seven, if you're ousted from the fucking sport, that's a bit much, you know what I mean? Some people might improve a little bit. <laughs> I remember I met um, a few years ago at football, uh, a bloke come along, you know, we're having a drink with him in the pub, and he said his five-year-old had just been told by a scout a football scout, because his kid was a football player, that his five-year-old would never be a professional footballer because he doesn't have what it takes. And this dad was crushed. And I'm like, you're not going to listen to... Your your kid's five. A lot could change. And he went, no, exactly what the scout said. He goes, he's right. My kid hasn't got it. He's five and you've already written off your child. Well, I've mentioned before, do you know how I said I used to work in a phone shop by the Chelsea training ground? Yep. Well, they have a huge youth development. Like, they, they ship in kids from all over the world from, like, the age yeah, of 11. Yeah. And they're coming and going, getting, like, foreign SIM cards so they can talk back home, the families right. that move there. And uh, one of the guys whose kids was in it, in, like, the under-12s at the time it would have been, he's telling us how he's calling Mourinho a fucking dick, saying he's playing a son in the wrong position. Like, these dads just think they know it all. Do you know what I mean? Like, you're yeah. talking to Jose Mourinho. <laughs> <laughs> He's a CM, not a cam. All right. Why are you playing him as a false nine? Are you, Jose, what are you doing? I'm Bill from the building site. <laughs> it's listen, these dads really get, yeah, they just get emotionally invested in it because it's their son. Um, I Googled Frenchie. 
I wanted to know what what happened to him. Uh, he's... Okay, well, your search history is getting flagged. Oh, my, I, I know, right? Because it's, it's right. Started... I didn't look any of these kids up. I'm like, oh, where'd the little blondie one end up at the age of seven? Like, no, I'm not well, checking the, it out. The thing is, I was curious what happened to a couple of these kids, so I googled them. Frenchie, he's a professional golfer. Doesn't surprise me. He probably earned more today, Rick, than me and you have probably earned in the last two years combined. I tell you what, if he had pocket money, he's earned more than what I have in the last two years. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Alexa Panos, uh, with the, she's the one with a really serious dad. Uh, she's number one three years in a row, right? And her great quote from her dad, yeah, I'll caddy for her unless she fires me, which could happen. Um, I googled her. She hasn't fired him. She's doing incredibly well. Incredibly, incredibly well. She's 14 now, I think. Well, there's um. Well, if you look at tennis as an example, uh, Murray, Djokovic, Nadal, all got shipped out to the same school in Spain. So they. So if you think it's it's interesting to see for now, if you were a golf fan, this would be amazing because these kids are going to be challenging each other throughout their lives. Yes, it's going to be like the Bulls v the Pistons, the same teams hitting each other and seeing who yeah. could win. And like so, like these are they they are going to be like intertwined career wise for the next. 20 years like we've... it's the same as being on the comedy circuit you see the same people again and again and again don't you that's because right? we don't move up Matt well there is that yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, Jed Die Jedi the kid who was fined 10 points for being late oh I'm heartbreaking this he shot such a great few games of golf after he was fined those 10 points that he would have won Oh, and before it he was doing amazing yeah, but the ten point stroke just killed him because you can't just yeah. That's like four, like five bogeys or whatever the fuck, or double bogeys or whatever. So do you know what he is, don't you, Rick? He's a he, prodigy. He's chicken people. Yeah, he's chicken people, man. Sky, she had a bogey on the last hole, so in, basically she went from first to eight. But she is the Texas state champion and she owns a kitten. You know, how do you not like Sky? How do all of these kids you like, right? Again, because you like Sky because she did she, the, what their parents said about right? She was very respectful, happy to be there and be like, you can't win every time. I just finished eighth in the world. I'm seven. <laughs> of course, yeah, that's a good that's fucking right. <laughs> <laughs> So she was really humble. Yeah. Um, Amari Avery. Who was breaking down, crying, oh, flipping mate. out. And her dad was doing exactly the same. All she's yeah. done is mimicked her dad's behavior, right? That's all she was yeah. doing. So Because you told none of these kids are like, oh, by the way, we're stuck in this fucking bungalow if you don't hit this chip shot from the sand pit. If you're still going home for a sports massage, if you're Alan, you're yeah. still going. The, the pressure's on you, right, that you're going to save the family so your dad doesn't have to be a sheet metal worker. That's tough, right? And she's eight. You're lumping that on an eight-year-old's uh, head. Um, but basically, so she wins, right? So she's number one for her age group. Um, I, I'm fairly sure her dad was proud for her. But then it cuts to the pair of them sitting in an office. The pair of them are reading golf magazines. And it came up on the screen that she's in sports therapy now with a sports psychologist about her emotions, as is her dad. Yeah. They've both got to see a therapist because they've both got the same issue. Fair play for them working on it, because I guarantee that Jackson's dad didn't, neither the Venus fucking dad didn't. He just no. He they just got bigger sticks, which I got to be honest, it makes champions. <laughs> yeah, it's much. It's like I said, right? The 
bullying is a terrible, terrible thing, right? I was tiny. I've been bullied most of my life. But look at what it produces. <laughs> I know. I know. Like I, I've, I've, I've spoken about the, the work ethics between my girlfriend and myself. Yeah. Her dad, not not a bully. I'm not, not saying bully by anything, but he was the uh, paratrooper and then a paratrooper instructor. So he's the one teaching people how to jump out of planes into war zones. Yeah. You, you better believe there was a bigger emphasis on fucking making your bed in that house than there was mine. God, yeah. Well, here's the thing, right? If I was American, I would probably have grounds now to sue my bullies for not bullying me enough because I'm not as successful as I'd like to be, right? They just didn't push me hard enough. It was just unfair. Damn you, bullies. Um, oh, Matt, you can, you can take shit with a smile. You, like, <laughs> um, you were going to be successful, whatever. You just giving a mountain of shit to do. You smiling and saying, I wanted to do that anyway, sir, and off you go. <laughs> Absorb. Careful, um, Wilsey, climb the ladder. <laughs> climb the ladder. <laughs> Play the long game, not the short game. Um, and finally, Alan Kornikova, he won. What a great documentary. And he gets up on stage, takes his trophy and says, look, you know, I want to thank, just I want to thank my mum. And it's just nice. They're all nice. Zuma didn't win, sadly, the South African. But, but he won most improved player. Most improved player, and he gets invited back automatically uh, for the next year. He finished 18th. And also, he's they banged out a video of him, because he was the funniest kid in it, right? They, and they banged out a video of him, which I watched, about his five top tips on how to play golf. They're really I don't play golf, but they're really good tips, you know? Mm-hmm. I was like, that's, that's good advice, actually. Uh, well, yeah. I imagine it is. He's 20th in the planet yeah. <laughs> for his age yeah. group. Of course, they're good fucking tips. So wrap it up, Rick. What'd you? I mean, you would have never have chosen to watch this documentary. So part... I, I might have checked it. Cause I, I'm oh, okay. intrigued right. of um, cognitive thinking and like uh, developing like sports at a young age and the, 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 the skills to it. Like since I play a lot of the football management games, I'm always interested in those stories. Right. Okay. Like you had seen. I think there's a huge difference. I read a thing about Gareth Bale, and it's a difference between Gareth Bale and, say, Jesse Lingard in this country, if you, if you like your football, is uh, Gareth Bale never touched a drop of alcohol. Whatever. You, as a kid, before the age of 18, 19, and he was oh, in right. Southampton. Oh, okay. He was a monster on the computer games at 16. Gareth Bale at Southampton. Then from Southampton, when he went to Spurs, knew he was going to be great, didn't realise he was going to be this guy. He was a left-back to begin with. And he just got better and better and better and better. And when you saw Gareth Bale at his very peak at Real Madrid, you're like, he's not even built like an English footballer anymore. Built like a brick shit house, lean. Yeah. Ronaldo. Look at look at the the like the muscle mass of Cristiano Ronaldo or like a LeBron James or like these different level athletes and what it takes to get like that. Is it's, it's interesting to me. I so my mate's a Tottenham fan. Uh, I've never met a Tottenham fan I don't like. And he took me to a Tottenham game, right? So it was Tottenham versus West Ham. It was at White Hart Lane before they changed it. And his seat was on the corner flag. Now, the, it's a really tight stadium there. So basically, from the you can almost lean over and touch the corner flag, right? It was really tight. Gareth Bale comes running down the wing. And if he didn't stop, you'd be doing this documentary podcast on your own because he would have taken me out like Huey's girlfriend dies in the boys I would have been like that. <laughs> what a reference <laughs> honest the geezer is massive 
He was huge. And this was, this has got to be, this has got to be six, seven years ago. Easy. I mean, he was, he was a lump, but I don't get, what's the Jesse Lingard reference? Because Jesse Lingard hasn't developed. There is players that get to a level because they were great for their age and they don't develop into physically mint athletes because they're all out partying, drinking, laughing gas, Uh, all that kind of shit. So it's about the um, discipline you have is to get further once you get to that level. It's the got If you got taken out, uh, I just, I mean, this is mean (laughs) to say. This is very mean to say. But just the idea of them going, I can't believe he killed that ball boy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how old was that kid? Seven look, or eight? <laughs> look at this. Look he at this make a wish. <laughs> look at this make a wish kid who clearly had this Benjamin Button disease. <laughs> Robin Williams and Jack. Poor little bugger just seeing, seeing the mighty Spurs play. Oh, man. If my club goes belly up, which I always think it's going to do, uh, I'm going to become a Tottenham Hotspur fan. Yeah, I, I, I really, I, like, I really like their fans. Just, just to go back to what you said with the boys' reference. After I've just been watching um, the Spurs documentary. Oh yeah, all or nothing. All or nothing, and it's all the backstage in the training ground. But I've also watched Sunderland till I die, so I've seen what their dressing room and stuff looks like. Now the difference is like watching the seven walk around Vought, the building. <laughs> like the, the Spurs training ground, honestly, they look it looks like Vought Towers in the boys. They're just big athletes with massive Adam's apple and huge jaws walking around these like plush leather seats. <laughs> but, and uh, on the last thing on nutrition, just to close the loop, um, I've recently started doing the... The keto diet, I think it's called. Yeah, keto, man, keto. keto. Yeah, I'm all about which is, keto. And the reason why I'm willing to try it is because it's no sugar. Because the keto diet, as far as I can see, is like it's like a cross between the Atkins diet and Scientology. <laughs> <laughs> there is some level in which I achieve ketosis where where I'm I'm able to levitate or something along those lines. I haven't read all the all the literature. But one of the reasons why I've always wanted to go sugar-free is there was a basketballer who was about six-foot white guy called Steve Nash who won the MVP, and he played until he was like 42. And one of the reasons is he'd never eaten sugar. And I saw that in a documentary. I thought, well, I'd like to do that. So maybe there's still a chance. Hang on. How old are you now, my friend? I think I'm 32, 32, 33. Okay, so the next 11 years, you're going to have to put some graft in. I, I'm going to go back to the northeast in the near future, like just like the beginning of Cobra Kai. Get We're my shirt gonna... and the sleeve with the rock on it. Get the You're old the headband out. Around. <laughs> just rip a hamstring in five minutes and then that's me not moving anymore. So would you recommend this documentary? I would recommend Trophy Kids over because I'm looking for the okay. funny. All right. Yeah, yeah. But I'd give it a solid 3.5. Interesting. And again, oh, wow. if you like golf, if you like golf, it's a five. The problem is golf's dull. I don't like professional uh, golf. I can't sit and watch it. It is quite dull. Yeah, I played it on the computer. Me, me, me. Flat me used to play a drinking game with on on, and it, one round of golf would take three hours on the PlayStation. But I just enjoyed the fun of playing with a mate. Yes. Couldn't go and yeah, sit yeah. stand there do it. I went to a driving range recently. What not for me? Crazy golf, I like. Yeah, I like crazy golf. Yeah, I can go and play crazy golf. I think I, I last time I played crazy golf was me, my dad, and my sister. And uh, basically, we we all became little Amaris. <laughs> God damn it! Focus, Wills. Focus. That's all we kept telling each other. 
in Glasgow, there's a place. It's uh, run by X Leisure. I don't know quite what it's called, and um, it's got the biggest crazy golf, res- like or, or, or in England or the world, one of the two. Where's that? I'm, uh, Glasgow. I'm... Oh, yeah, you but, did say that. But, sorry. So we bought two games. And it's like twenty four holes or something, made by by the beginning of the second one. You don't give a fuck. You're like, is, <laughs> is this? Are we still? I just actually, there is a um, there is a corporate mini golf in the city of London. Yeah, I went and did that as a team building thing. I bet it was good. It was great fun, really great fun. I mean, they hustle you through, but yeah, golf's all right. Um, right, let's wrap this one up then. Uh, I've got some liver waiting for me. So I'm, I'm giving us a 3.5. 3.5. Would you like to take a... For the first time ever, I knew exactly what I was going to give this. Would you like to take a guess on how much? Is it a five? It is a five, Rick. Yeah. This documentary, for me, it had everything. It was... Uh, even the villain. I, I, I even like the villain, you know, because he's French. Um, the villain was Amari's dad. There was nothing wrong with Augustus Valerie. Other than our own xenophobia. <laughs> <laughs> He's French. Um, yeah, I mean, the n- next time I speak to my dad, I'm going to try and convince him to watch this. And then I can turn around and go, see, if you would have just supported me a little bit, Dad, maybe I'd if be you, at the comedy store right now. If you just hit me with a belt a few times, Dad, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Don't you want me to be successful? You and your love. How dare you? <laughs> Um, right, so that documentary was The Short Game, available on Netflix. Next week, we are going to be reviewing... Um, we've changed it, actually. I don't know what we're going to be reviewing next week. We've changed it. I think it's going to be... We're getting some murder in there, buddy, is what we're going to do. I, I, think, you you're, a, I think you're right, actually. I think we need a little bit of... Uh, I think we need a little bit of true crime. We may have an exciting special guest coming up on a future episode, but... Uh, Our first then... ever guest, yeah. I'm working on yeah. that. So, um, right. So, join us on the interweb. Subscribe. Thank you very much for listening. We are always very, very grateful. And we are grateful for all the recommendations of what we should watch. We are partially get into some of those and our patreon is coming we're on twitter we're on facebook send us notes on there if you really want to but thank you very much for listening so it's goodbye from me and rick hey uh, yeah take it easy and uh, don't worry we'll give you a good long explanation why why we're looking for a pier wall so <laughs> <laughs> Ta-da. If, if you pay five pounds a month then rick doesn't talk about the saudi tip <laughs> you hope right, see you next time can I give you five pounds a month to not talk about the Saudi takeover? What's it'll my rate you, on that? It'll cost you more because you talk to me more <laughs> often. I'm not doing it on the podcast. Right, right see you later. Ta-da. Ta-da.